Good evening, everyone. Glad to see you come out this evening. Can we all say amen? amen? And also a welcome to those of you that are joining us via our church stream. Want to invite you to an exciting week. The theme for the entire week is Get Connected to the Vine. Can we say that together? Get Connected to the Vine. And we're going to be featuring different speakers each evening, 6.30 Central Time. And so we thank you that you've taken the time to join us this evening. Our speaker for tonight is Eric Wiesner. He's one of our elders. Also, he works at 3ABN. And you'll find out a little more about him in just a moment. But I'd like to just go ahead and invite the Lord's presence to be with us as we open with prayer. Let's bow our heads. Loving Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege and opportunity that you grant to us to glorify and to honor your name. We know that getting connected to the vine is the key to a flourishing Christian life. And we pray tonight and also for this entire week as we consider one topic after the other, that you'll not only bless those who are listening, but you'll bless and fill each of the presenters, each of the speakers, that what is being communicated will be done by the unction and presence of your Holy Spirit. Give clarity to your word. May we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to each one of us. And when each meeting is done, Father, may we know that you have planted within our hearts and within our lives not only the seeds of truth, but that we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are connected to the vine and your life is flowing through us. So, Lord, we ask that this evening and each evening that you'll live out your life within us. You'll have all things in harmony with your will, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. On that note, let us stand together as we sing our theme song for the week, Live Out Thy Life Within Me. If you want to turn in your hymnals, 316. But if not, you can read the lyrics that are on the screen. Live Out Thy Life Within Me. Let's sing them together. Live out thy life within me, O Jesus, King of kings. Be thou thyself the answer to all my questionings. Live out thy life within me, in all things have thy way. I, the transparent medium, thy glory to display. The temple has been yielded and purified of sin. Let thy Shekinah glory now shine forth from within. And all the earth keep silent, the body henceforth be. Thy silent, gentle servant moved only as by thee. Its members, its members every moment held subject to thy call ready 
King of kings, be thou thyself the end to all my questionings. Amen. You may be seated. Now, each evening we're going to have what's called a scripture song. And Ricky Carter, who is one of our elders, and you may know about his ministry. He is a, not only a YouTuber, but he puts scripture songs together in videos. And tonight, one of our scripture songs, which is going to be presented to us by Ben Lingle. He's, are you going to teach us this song? He's going to teach us this song, and the scripture will be on the screen, those of you who are watching. This scripture song is from Matthew 5, 5. After the scripture song, I'm going to introduce our speaker. We're going to have special music. And then we're going to go into the message for tonight. Ben? Yeah. Yeah, so tonight uh, Eric is obviously talking about meekness, and that's kind of the whole theme of this verse we see here. And so uh, as Pastor said, Ricky, he has a YouTube ministry where he takes Scripture and puts it to music. And uh, as we all know, music is a great way to learn things and memorize things, and it makes our brain work in different ways. So uh, he asked me to write a song that corresponds with the, I guess you could say, the lyrics of this verse. And so I'll play it through once and sing it, and then I'd love you to join me a second time through. Got it? Okay. All right, can you join me again? Here we go. Here we go. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. For they shall inherit, shall inherit the earth. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, for they shall inherit, shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, verse 5. Thank you, guys. Amen. A good way to put scripture to memory is to connect it to music. Thank you, Ben. That's an original since Ben, the scripture's not an original, but the music is. Thank you so much, Ben, for that creativity. Ben is a very talented uh, minister of music, and we praise the Lord for that. Let me just tell you something about our speaker for tonight. And as you can see, Get Connected to the Vine is about what the difference will be in your life when you are connected to Christ. We can do a lot of things, but when it comes to exalting the Lord, he made it very clear, without me, you can do nothing. And we're excited about our speaker lineup for the week, and I'll share with you at the end of tonight who's going to be the next speaker and the next and the next. But um, if you're watching and joining us, you can invite your friends. Uh, these, If you miss any of the meetings, we'll let you know they'll be posted at our church website but it's good to get the dinner when it is being served the first time. So put that in your calendar, 6.30 p.m. every evening right here at the Thompsonville Seventh-day Adventist Church. Eric Wiesner, I have said to myself as I looked at the different speakers that they chose topics that exemplify them to a large degree. Because if you know Eric Wiesner at all, and those of us who work with him and know him here, He's one of our elders, but he is a meek individual. Uh, If you don't know him, he could blend into the woodwork. But when you get to know him, you find that he's a man of God, a wonderful husband, father, and one who allows the Lord to not only use his talent and his gifts, but he has spoken at different churches, and I was determined to get him to speak here. And he so graciously volunteered. But Eric Wiesner... A farmer, I like the way he says that, who was born and raised in Portland, Indiana, lived there until the Lord called him and his family to be a part of 3ABN. He's been married to Abby for 14 years with a wonderful daughter named Angel. She's an angel. Well, let's admit it. And she's going to be blessing us in just a moment. And uh, blessed him with a a daughter who the Lord graciously has been molding. She sings at our church. She's learning the piano, and we've seen her getting... I asked her the other day, am I getting shorter or are you getting taller? And I think she's getting taller. I don't want to get shorter yet. But you'll hear from Angel in just a moment. He was raised in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, so he has the foundation uh, growing in the Lord. He's a member of the Thompsonville Seventh-day Adventist Church. He works at 3ABN also. But he says, I want to be known as a friend of man and a servant of God. That's wonderful. I want to be known as a friend of man and a servant of God. So tonight, after his daughter Angel comes and blesses us with the special music, I'm going to invite her to come now. After she blesses us with the special music, the next voice that you'll hear will be that of our local elder, Eric Wiesner, and tonight he'll tell you the title of his message, but... Prepare for what the Lord has in store for you.
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Angel. Thank you for my dear wife for doing that song for us. Good evening, Thompsonville Church, and also to those of you who are watching online. This is our first night of uh, being, get connected to the vine, and tonight I've entitled the message, Cultivating Meekness. So I hope you'll be blessed with uh, what the Lord has uh, put on my heart. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of work, but you know what? Um, I've got a wonderful wife who has helped me with this message as well. So um, the Lord has worked through both of us to try to put this together. And I hope each of you will be blessed uh, by what is spoken tonight. 
But tonight is the first night of our revival meeting where the fruits of the Spirit are going to be tackled. I hope and pray by the end of this week, each of us will be enlightened and be revived as we study each fruit. And may the Holy Spirit convict as we study each fruit. And may the Holy Spirit convict us as us so we can apply the spiritual lessons in our lives. May each of us cultivate a Christ-like character. And you guessed it, to have a Christ-like character, you must have a meek and quiet spirit. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you so much we can be here to open up your word together. And oh, Father, we, we have a special message here, studying about meekness. I know we all need improvement in this matter, so surround us as we uh, open up your word. Guide my words. I'm just a messenger, Lord, and so speak through me, and may the, the ears that are listening be touched in a special way, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. George Washington shocked General Lafayette one morning by merely being a meek man. The story is told how one day Washington and Lafayette were talking together when a slave passed by. The old black slave, as he passed, tipped his hat and said to General Washington, Good morning, General Washington. Upon this, Washington immediately took off his hat and bowing to the slave, responded, Good day, sir. Good day. After a moment of silence, Lafayette exclaimed, Why did you bow to that slave? Washington smiled and said, I would not allow him to be a better gentleman than I. Please turn to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. Now you're going to see all through these meetings, this is going to be referenced multiple times, I would guess. But Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23 is where you find the fruits of the Spirit. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Of course, the King James Version uses meekness there for gentleness. So I'd like to set the stage for our study this evening with a quote from Christ's Objects Lesson, page 68. It says, As you receive the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of unselfish love and labor for others, you will grow and bring forth fruit. The graces of the Spirit will ripen in your character. Your spirit will increase your convictions deepen, your love be made perfect. More and more you will reflect the likeness of Christ in all that is pure, noble, and lovely. Now central to this series this week is understanding a tree is always known by its fruit. And the scriptures tell us Christ is a vine and we are the branches. Therefore, our fruits should show that. In John 15, verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So if we are producing any other fruit, we are not attached to the vine who is Christ. Who is Christ? Christ. 
And tonight, we're going to look at meekness, which is a fruit of the Spirit. But how often it is misunderstood and misapplied. But tonight, we're going to be allowing examples in God's Word to ascribe the different attributes of meekness. Jesus spoke of meekness during his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And this is my key text for this evening. Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek. Why? For they shall inherit the earth. Now this is a powerful statement made by Christ. But it's not understood by not so many. Let's spend our time tonight in the Word of God to help us better understand this statement and as we cultivate the spirit of meekness. But let's first uh, begin by defining the word meekness. If you look at the Oxford Advanced Learner's Dictionary, it means the quality of being quiet, gentle, and always ready to do what other people want without expressing your own opinion. Now let's take a look at the words pertaining to meekness because some Bible translations, you know, they can use other words. So we're going to look at some of the synonyms. We're going to look at the Oxford Dictionary for these, which they would include humility, gentleness, lowliness, humbleness, and submission. Of course, if we have synonyms, that means we have to have antonyms, correct? Which would be the opposite. If you look at the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, these would include arrogance, conceit, egotism, and pride. Of course, when we're studying God's word, we have to look at the Hebrew words. We have to look at the Greek words. Now, the Hebrew word is anva. That is used for the word meekness and gentleness. Now, if you look at the Greek word, it's praos, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, which when you use the word mild, gentle, meek, and kind, you'd use the word praos. But some people refer to meekness as a sign of weakness. They see a person who is meek, but weak in a sense that he has no backbone and not a tough person. For example, when someone is trying to bully you and you don't respond in an angry or aggressive manner, then you are considered a weak person. But in reality, it's power under control. And you know, in the past few weeks, I have been personally tested in this area of meekness. The difficult circumstances I was facing tried every ounce of what meekness I possessed. But praise the Lord, through his grace and through prayer, I was able to respond to this circumstance with a spirit of meekness, at least what little I possessed. Could I have done better? Absolutely. In fact, I started to lose my patience during this time. But I responded, had I responded according to my carnal nature, the situation I was involved with would have turned ugly quite quickly. As a writer of Proverbs says in chapter 16, verse 32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. 
So a meek person is a strong person because his strength comes from the Lord. It's the strength to control emotions. So being weak claims that you are lacking strength due to negative and harmful situations, while being meek professes that you are under the control of the Spirit of God. So I want to look at a few examples in God's Word which portray this spirit of meekness. I'm going to begin in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. Some of you probably know where I'm going with this. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So Moses was the meekest man who ever lived according to the Bible. So you can imagine Moses being weak. Now if you know the story of Moses, your first thought would be, really, the meekest man? Let's look at this in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So here Moses lashes out and kills this Egyptian. Not not exactly the best example of a meek man, and definitely not a weak man. But let's let's move on a little bit. To Exodus chapter 7, verse 16. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. So when Moses went before Pharaoh demanding the release of God's people, was he weak? Was he meek? He was being submissive to God, to God's command. In Exodus 32, 19 to 20, kind of paraphrasing this, Moses witnesses the Israelites worshiping a golden calf after receiving the tablets of stone, which we know that contained the Ten Commandments. He then threw them down and broke them. Then he cast the calf into the fire and ground it and made the children of Israel drink it. Is this a sign of being weak? Now let's look at Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron. Gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. So we see here Moses struck the rock twice instead of speaking to it. Why? Out of frustration 
towards these rebellious people. He lost his patience with these people. He was short-tempered and disobeyed God when he was overcome with frustration. But despite all this, Moses was still considered as the meekest man on the face of the earth. Why? Says Psalms chapter 25 verse 9. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. So the meek are guided by the Lord because they are teachable. They're willing to be instructed. Moses was willing to be guided. He was willing to obey God. He had a teachable spirit. He humbled himself in the sight of the Lord. He also begged to the Lord to to spare the life of the Israelites. If you remember the story, the people had bad-mouthed Moses and his leadership abilities. Moses didn't call on God to destroy them. Instead, Moses stood in the gap for the very ones that had spoken against him. Not weakness, but strength through meekness. So let's move on to one of my favorite Bible studies stories, the story of Joseph. Now, we're not going to go through this whole story, but I want to go over some of the main points that pertain to this message. Genesis chapter 42, verses 6 to 8. Verse 6. Now, Joseph, Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Now at this point, Joseph had the power to do whatever he wished. If he wanted to take vengeance on his brothers, He could easily have done that. Let's jump forward to Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 to 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, in order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. 
Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Once again, did Joseph have the right to exercise vengeance upon his brothers? He had full power to punish his brothers for what they had done. But what did he do? He chose to forgive them. So meekness incorporates with it the spirit of forgiveness. According to the Signs of Times, February 5, 1880, the life of Joseph illustrates the life of Christ. Joseph's brethren proposed to kill him, but were finally content to sell him as a slave to prevent his becoming greater than themselves. They thought they had placed him where they could be no more troubled with his dreams and where there would not be a possibility of their fulfillment. But the very course which they pursued, God overruled to bring about that which they designed never should take place, that he should have dominion over them. Joseph walked with God. And when he was in prison and suffered because of his innocence, he meekly bore it without murmuring. His self-control, his patience in adversity, and his unwavering fidelity are left on record for the benefit of all who should afterward live on the earth. Joseph's brethren acknowledged their sin before him. He freely forgave them and showed by his acts of benevolence and love that he harbored no resentful feelings for their former cruel conduct toward him. So now I'm going to turn to the story of Abram and his nephew Lot, found in Genesis 13, verses 7 to 10. Genesis chapter 13, beginning with verse 7. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanite and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. If not the whole land before you, please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zor. So Abram showed unselfishness and humility by letting his nephew choose first. We see here the spirit of unselfishness and humility, which is also the fruit of meekness. How many would fight for what they believe is rightfully theirs? Abram had the right to choose first, but instead chose to avoid a confrontation by allowing his nephew to choose first. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. I like what Patriarchs and Prophets says in page 132. 
Here, the noble, unselfish spirit of Abraham was displayed. How many under similar circumstances would at all hazards cling to their individual rights and preferences? How many households have thus been rent asunder? How many churches have been divided, making the cause of truth a byword and a reproach among the wicked? The cultivation of a uniform courtesy, a willingness to do to others as we would wish them to do to us, would annihilate half of the ills of life. The spirit of selfishness is the spirit of Satan, but the heart in which the love of Christ is cherished will possess that charity which seeketh not her own. So a quick recap of what we have learned so far. We saw through the examples of Moses, Moses, Joseph, and Abram, some of the attributes one must have when cultivating the spirit of meekness and to help us stay connected to the vine. They included a teachable spirit, willing to be instructed, willing to stand up for those who turn against you, willing to forgive especially when you have full power to exercise vengeance, and willing to be unselfish and to be humble. This leads us to the issue of pride. Pride has no place in the Christian lifestyle. We all know that pride is the opposite of meekness. If not, you know it now. Let's go back to the very beginning, before the world was created. What was the first sin? The first sin in heaven. Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 14. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So the first sin in heaven was pride. And the first being to commit sin was Lucifer. He was God's second in command. But his pride would not allow, allow him to accept being second. He wanted only to be first. He wanted all to worship him. But friends, remember, once pride takes control of your life, it can lead to uncontrolled desire for power and exaltation. I'm going to repeat that. Once pride takes control of your life, it can lead to uncontrolled desire for power and exaltation. Stop and think about the big trends we see today, especially in social media. I won't even mention YouTube. What can I do to gain more followers? People are doing all kinds of crazy things just to get recognition. Some have gotten very sick, injured. Some have even died. Why? 
because of pride. How many selfies are taken each day and then posted? All in the name of vanity and pride. Am I speaking to any of you? Jesus fought this sort of thing in his time. What were his disciples fighting over? We see this in Luke chapter 22, verse 24. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. But Jesus emphasized the greatest among us is the servant of all. Jesus spoke in Matthew 23, 11 and 12. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen. Pride is an issue that, is, that if not dealt with promptly will end in total ruin of one's character. Look at the degradation of Lucifer. I'm going to look at a couple quotes here from the great controversy and also Desire of Ages. And bear with me, it's a rather long quote, but I think it, it uh, bears our time. The Great Controversy, page 495. In all the counsels of God, Christ was a participant, while Lucifer was not permitted thus to enter into the divine purposes. Why, questioned this mighty angel, should Christ have the supremacy? Why is he thus honored above Lucifer? Now I jump to Desire of Ages, page 434 and 435. The strife for the highest place was the outworking of that same spirit which was the beginning of the great controversy in the worlds above and which had brought Christ from heaven to die. There rose up before him a vision of Lucifer, the son of the morning, in glory surpassing all the angels that surround the throne and united in close, closest ties to the son of God. Lucifer had said, I will be like the most high. We just referenced that in Isaiah 14. And the desire for self-exaltation had brought strife into the heavenly courts and had banished a multitude of hosts of God. Had Lucifer really desired to be like the Most High, he would never have deserted his appointed place in heaven, for the Spirit of the Most High is manifested in unselfish ministry. Lucifer desired God's power, but not his character. He sought for himself the highest place, and every being who is actuated by his spirit will do the same. Thus, alienation, discord, and strife will be inevitable. Dominion becomes the prize of the strongest. The kingdom of Satan is a kingdom of force. Every individual regards every other as an obstacle in the way of his own advancement or a stepping stone on which he himself may climb to a higher place. While Lucifer counted it a thing to be grasped, grasped to be equal with God, 
Christ, the exalted one, made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That end quote was, was found in Philippians 2, verses 7 and 8. So we must stay attached to the vine that supplies the life-giving water. The vine who is Jesus. He is the ultimate example of meekness. Going back to Philippians once again. Chapter 2, 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which also which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What an awesome example of meekness. He humbled himself when he came to this earth. Now based on the thoughts of the Mount of Blessing, page 14. Through all the lowly experiences of life, he consented to pass, walking among the children of men, not as a king to demand homage, but as one whose mission it was to serve others. There was in his manner no taint of bigotry, no cold austerity. The world's redeemer had a greater than angelic nature, yet united with his divine majesty were meekness and humility that attracted all to himself. Jesus emptied himself, and in all that he did, self did not appear. He subordinated all things to the will of his Father. Another powerful example set forth by Christ is found in John chapter 13, verse 5. John 13, verse 5 says, After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. This is a prime example of Christ's gentleness recorded in John 13. During the Passover, Jesus humbled himself by washing his disciples' feet. But he even washed the feet of his betrayer, Jesus, Judas Iscariot. He knew Judas' betrayal would cause him to suffer a humiliating, slow, and painful death but he still humbly and gently washed his feet. Amen. How many would wash the feet of a friend, not alone the feet of an enemy? 
What an inspiring example of humility, gentleness, and meekness. This is the vine we must stay attached to. I'm coming close to the end of my time here tonight, but, but there's a reason why Christ said the meek would inherit the earth. First, it is an attribute of God. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Secondly, Jesus is referencing only those who possess the spirit of meekness will obtain the new earth. Why? Because they have learned the grace of humility. They will be exalted. They have submitted their will completely to Christ. They have chosen to make Christ their only example. Remember this. A meek person is a rich person because he will inherit everything. A meek person is a rich person because he will inherit everything. Only the meek are submissive enough for the Lord to use for his purpose. Did you catch that? Only the meek are submissive enough for the Lord to use for his purpose. Cultivating meekness is a process each professed follower of Christ should be perfecting. If not, you're not preparing for eternal life. It's just that simple. Within our meekness, our actions will speak even louder than our words ever could. Within our meekness, our actions will speak even louder than any words that we speak ever could. When the branch is connected to the vine, the result is fruit springs forth abundantly. Are you producing fruit? We only need to ask ourselves one question, moment by moment. Will I depend on God's ability ability today or my own? Will I depend on God's ability today or my own? Before I go to my appeal, my dear wife and little angel will do a song um, to lead us into this appeal. Oh, oh. 
your desire to be a servant cultivating meekness in your life can be a struggle pride prevents many a soul from staying connected to the vine this is Satan's tool of destruction it is what got him kicked out of heaven if you are struggling with meekness or being humble Stop and evaluate your life to see what is preventing this, preventing this fruit from growing. Whether it be pride, bitterness, envy, anger, unforgiveness, perhaps gossiping about others, or slander, or maybe you have never truly submitted to God. It's not too late to cultivate this spirit of meekness. Perhaps you have never called on the Lord to be your Lord and Savior. Now is the time to do that. Now is the time to reconnect to the vine, which is Jesus, our Redeemer. The Lord wants your burdens to be placed on Him. And He wants to give you peace and rest in your soul. Matthew 11, verse 20, verses 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Please answer his call in your heart. He just wants you to submit your whole heart and mind to Him. Let's do this now. Would you stand with me as we, as we pray? And if you would like to recommit your life to Christ and put on a meek and quiet spirit as our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, please raise your hand as we pray. But only raise your hand if you truly feel it in your heart. Don't raise your hand because someone else is raising their hand. And don't raise your hand because you feel obligated to. Only raise it 
because you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we want a meek and quiet spirit. We want to go home. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be prepared when Jesus comes. We want to stay connected to that vine, which is Jesus Christ. And may we bear much, much fruit. Lord, you know the hearts of those who have raised their hands. You know the struggles in their life. None of us are exempt from those struggles. But you say, come, come unto me, and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. So Lord, touch these hearts in a special way. Let them know that you have stretched out your hand and all, all you ask is that you take hold of that hand and you will pull them up to a higher level. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Oh, how much we love you and oh, how much we want to see you face to face. Thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Weren't you blessed? Thank you. That, that sermon kept me thinking and listening all the way through. Thank you, Eric, for allowing the Lord to use you Staying on point all the way through the wonderful examples in Scripture and then the challenge to be meek. You know, there's a saying that I read not too long ago, the measure of a man's strength is his willingness to be meek. And I've learned something more about Eric. I remember when I was doing production in the back, Eric just quietly sometimes floor manager, sometimes running a camera, just being content to do whatever God called them to do. And on some occasions, I would say, uh, I'd, like you to, I'd like you to speak here. And you say, well, not, not that I'm seeking to do that. And I said, I feel impressed. I've been looking at your life, and I know that God can use you well. Instead of saying, sure, I'd love to do this, they said, whatever the Lord wants. And I was so blessed today to see he allowed himself to be a servant. And um, if I could summarize their family, I'm, I'm hearing in Eric what I see in his wife, what I see in his daughter, and not glorifying them at all. But once again, the measure of a person's strength is their willingness to be, to be meek. Thank you so much for that message tonight, Eric. We want to challenge you and encourage you to come each night. Uh, tomorrow night, the topic is patience, and our speaker is going to be Brian Dickens. And if you know anything about Brian, Brian has been secretly taking theology courses, looking down the future at, that the Lord may have a call on his life, whether to be a pastor or evangelist, but he's felt the tug of God's voice in his life and having a chance to sit down and talk with him and see his path. Brian is a new Adventist, been here just about three years or maybe around that time, but I've seen about over the three or four years, I've seen quite a change and quite a, 
a steadfastness in him that I know we're going to be blessed tomorrow evening when he brings the message, patience. And those of you that are joining us, I want to encourage you, each night at 6.30 p.m., join us right here at the Thompsonville Seventh-day Adventist Church. Invite your friends. This is the first night, but we have tomorrow night Brian Dickens, uh, Wednesday night Luis Jean. Uh, he's going to be speaking on long-suffering. Then uh, Thursday evening, uh, Ricky Carter, I'll tell you more about them on their evenings. And then uh, Ian Vandevalk is going to be capping off a week on Friday evening. And then on Sabbath morning, we're going to tie it all together under the same topic, getting connected to the vine. Let us all stand together as we ask the Lord to go with us and take us to our home. Once again, thank you, Eric, for allowing the Lord to be the power that was communicated through your words and the challenge. And I like that question. He says, Can I, may I be speaking about you? I can't forget that selfie thing. <laughs> you know, so many, this is the selfie generation, the Isaiah 14 generation. Lord, have mercy. If you, if you, have, a, if you have a page just to push yourself, the sermon should file off your rough edges. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. Truly, we want to be like Jesus. He was meek and lowly. And you told us that if we come to you, that you are meek and lowly at heart, and in you we can find rest. We pray that you'll bless your manservant continually. Strengthen him. Develop him continually. Thank you for Eric's willingness and his wife, as, they, as he mentioned, they teamed together to mold this message under your influence, to be guided by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for Angel. What a song, Make Me a Servant. Father, it's so easy to be wanting to serve, but you who are the king of the universe did not come to be served, but to serve. You left us a lasting, indelible impression and lesson of what it means to be a servant. So, Father, cause us to be humble that in your way and in your time, if need be, if you see that we are safe, you will, at the time that you see fit, exalt us just for your glory. And now tonight, Lord, as we've been blessed by the message, take us to our homes safely, bring us back tomorrow evening, and may this message be the challenge that continues in our hearts as we come before you asking you to mold us and to cause us to be servants that are meek to reflect our Christ. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.